Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. And the title of my message this morning is The Culture of Building. The Culture of Building. The Culture of Building. Culture is the attitude and the behavior characteristics of a particular social group. That's what culture is. So building must be accompanied by a healthy and a biblical culture that is friendly for whatever that you are building. So each and everything that you attempt to build, you must make sure that it has a culture that is friendly for its success. It was Mahatma Gandhi who once said, a nation's culture resides in the heart and in the soul of its people. So now, culture flows from the condition of the heart of the organization. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter number 23, verse number 7. Proverbs 23, verse number 7. Hallelujah. Are you there? Proverbs 23, verse number 7. The Bible says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Listen to what this person says. This person says, Eat and drink. But his heart is not with you. I don't know about you, but when we were growing up, we used to say, if something, if somebody gives you something to eat or to drink and you choke on it, it means that they did not want to give it to you. Anybody know about that? So now, this is the kind of a person who does not have the correct heart in what they are saying you can do. So they are saying you can eat and you can drink. However, their heart is not there. Their heart is not there. So this morning, I'm just going to take us through eight things that are supposed to be a culture of anything that is to be built and is to be successful while we build it. Somebody say amen. amen. So now, it's, I hope I'm going to be able to finish all eight of them because they are going to help us a great deal. I'm going to take us through their characteristics and their attitudes of the heart that we are supposed to have so that if we should be able to develop that kind of attitude, we will be able to co-labor with God and we will be able to build his house. We will be able to build our families. We will be able to build our lives and we will be able to build our callings. Somebody say amen. amen. So each and every one of us 
seated down here under the sound of my voice, myself included. We are called by God to co-labor with him first to build his house, to build our lives and to build our callings. The calling of God upon our lives, be it in business, be it in whatever uh, career path that you have chosen and uh, be it uh, the calling of being a pastor like myself, but each and every one of us called by God to do whatever it is that we are doing here on earth. We require to be the kind of people who have the attitude of building. We need to be people who have the attitude of building. And we have already established that God wants to collaborate with us to build even his house. God wants to collaborate with us to build even this church that we are part of. Because if we are going to be a part of a healthy church, we must then be those who are engaged in it. We cannot be passive. We need to be engaged because as much as Jesus is building his church, but he is building his church through us. I have taught us in this house that God is illegal here on earth. So if he is building anything, he is building it through us. If he is building marriages, he is building them through us. If he is building businesses, he is building them through us. God uses people. That is why we need to hold people at high regard. Because people are of key if we are going to succeed in whatever that we are doing. Somebody say amen. So if you are, the, you are a boss at work, maybe you have some people who are, support, who are uh, subordinates who are under you. You need to make sure that you treat them well because you cannot shine without them. Yeah. Cannot shine alone. That's wisdom right there. I don't want to go ahead of myself, but you need people because everything that happens here on earth, God uses people. That is why when you were even uh, born, you needed your mother to push you out. Because there was no way you could have been born without someone. Even when you die, you need people to dig your grave and put you in the coffin. So from start to finish, from start to finish, from birth to death, you need people. And everything that you are going to do in between, everything that you are going to build in between, you need people. You need people. So now, as I said, I'm going to take us through eight characteristics and attitudes of the heart that we should develop in order for us to co-labor with God in building this church, in building his house, in building our lives, in building our families and our callings. Number one, we are going to need stead up hearts. Building requires stead up hearts. Exodus chapter number 35, verse number 21, the Bible says, then everyone came whose heart was stead. And everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meetings for all its service and for the holy garments. Verse number 26 says, 
and all the women whose heart stead with wisdom span yen of goat's hair. Exodus chapter number 36, verse number 2. The Bible says, Then Moses called Bezalel and Ahoyel, and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stead to come and do the work. So, it is the Lord who stirs up our hearts. It is the Lord who does the work in our hearts and stirs up our hearts so that then we can be able to respond and be able to do that which we are supposed to do. A person who does not have a stirred up heart is going to be a big problem when they are not um, stirred up in their hearts because the, the next thing that they are going to do is they are going to say, we have worked so hard and now it's time for us to rest. Have you ever seen the people who rest more than they work? There are people who work for two hours and they rest for seven hours. And then they work again for one hour, 30 minutes, and then they rest for another seven hours. They rest more than they work because I always say rest is required for you to be able to work more. You don't rest because you have worked. You rest because you need to work more. You rest because you need to work more. If you can have that attitude of resting because you need to work more, then you will always have a stirred up heart. And the heart that is stirred up is a heart that is stirred up by God. You cannot stir your heart on your own. It is God who stirs up your heart and it is you who then develop the heart that is stirred to stay with you. Because God is not going to cause the stirred up heart to stay with you, but you are going to be the one who is going to maintain a stirred up heart. So you have a job to do. After God has stirred up your heart, you need to maintain a stirred up heart. Somebody say amen. amen. It is God who gives us a stirred up heart. It, Heart. In the book of Ezra, chapter number one, verse number one, the Bible says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord the, with, uh, by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and also put it in writing saying, thus says Cyrus king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the Lord, all the kingdom of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. So verse number three says, who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel, which is in Jerusalem. So these people were able to go up and build because their hearts were stirred up. The king's heart was stirred up so that they can go forward and build. So in other words, for you to be able to sustain whatever it is that you are building, you must be able to sustain a stirred up heart. 
must ask God who is able to do a work in your heart, to be stirred up in your heart and then maintain it in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. So I'm praying for each and every one of us this morning that our hearts may be stirred up by God himself and uh, so that God can then help us to achieve the things that we want to achieve. Because when motivation goes, a stead up heart will always stay with you. When motivation is no longer there, when excitement is no longer there, a stead up heart will stay with you. When those who are around you don't see what you are working on, a stead up heart will sustain you. When those around you don't believe in what you are building, a stead up heart will sustain you. When those who are around you think that what you are building will amount to nothing, a stead up heart will sustain you. It is a stead up heart that will cause you to do it alone if you have to. Because sometimes we want people to cheer us up, but people want to see something that is already moving. And then they start uh, gathering uh, 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 around you because they can see that what you are doing is now taking shape. But a stand up heart will take you through the season where you are all by yourself. It's a stand up heart that will sustain you. When there is no one else who believes in what you are doing, when there is no one else who believes in what you are building, it is a stand up heart. That will cause you to wake up early in the morning and say, I'm working on it. And I'm going to see it becoming a success. <laughs> Somebody say, Amen. Amen. It's a stead up heart. And the stead up heart will cause you to say to yourself, I will fail forward. Even if I fail, God forbid, but I will fail forward. Amen. Failing forward, it's a statement that I love the most. That I will fail forward because even though maybe what I, I am attempting to do does not happen the way I had envisioned it, it's okay, but I have learned something. That is called failing forward. Yes, you have failed, but you are no longer the same person. Yes, you did not win, but you are no longer at the same level as somebody who did not attempt to do anything. So I'm going to encourage us builders. Let us be those who attempt to do great things for God. Let us be those who attempt to do great things here in this life. Because God has given us this life so that there is something that we can get out of it. And for us to get something out of it, we need to be those who are not afraid of failure. Fail forward. You would have learned something. There is a muscle that you would have gained. Even if it is courage all by itself that you have gained, you've gained something. Because the next project, you will do it with so much courage like you've never seen before. Why? Because the failure that you experienced gave you courage to say, how can you kill a dead person? I'm dead already. I've been embarrassed already. So what is embarrassment? I'm going to do it again. Somebody say amen. Stand up heart. Stand up heart. Number two. It must be generosity from willing hearts. Building requires a culture of generosity. Anything that you are to build you must be a generous person towards it. People who are not generous will never build anything significant. 
People who are not generous will never build even a business that is going to be great and stand the test of time. Why? Because they are greedy. Everything that comes belongs to them. They don't even want to employ anyone. They don't want to put money back, inject money back to the business. They are stingy. They are not generous. People who are not generous will never be able to co-labor and build with God. So when you are building, you need to have a culture of generosity. Exodus chapter number 35, verse number 5. The Bible says, Take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever of a willing heart. So even God does not want an offering that does not come from a willing heart. He says, take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. So in other words, there are many here claiming to be laboring with God to build their lives, to build their families, to build their callings, to build his house. But they are not generous. They are not, they don't have a willing heart. And then God here says to Moses, I want an offering from my people, but it must be from those who have a willing heart because I don't want to build with people who are not generous. Somebody say amen. amen. Exodus chapter number 25 and verse number one says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. So in other words, God is reminding them, God was being shady here. He's reminding them that this is mine. Whatever you have, whatever is in your pocket is actually mine. It's my offering. When you are offering it to me, it's mine. It belongs to me. But you must have a willing heart to let it go and bring it to me. So he's saying to Moses, tell them to bring my offering. But they must have a willing heart. Back to what Pastor Goodwill was saying when he was taking up offering. The attitude of honor must be there. It belongs to God anyway. However, you must be the one who has a willing and a generous heart. That is the attitude that you need to have. Somebody say amen. So we need to be generous even with our gifts. We need to be generous with our time, with our abilities, with our talents in the house of the Lord. So when we volunteer to do things in the house of the Lord, that is being generous. They are singing here day in and day out. They are singing here and when they come and they sing here, they don't just show up and rock up on Sunday and say, what are we singing today? There is a lot of work that goes into it. There is someone who sits full time in Delmas who makes sure that there is a repertoire every Sunday. That this Sunday, these are the songs that they are going to sing in Hillcrest. These are the, are the lyrics and this is how the song structure goes. And they get on with it during the week. When we are busy at home, they are working in between their own uh, schedules, in, in between their own work. They are working. They are learning the songs. They come back here and they rehearse. Let me tell you something that you might not know. They come early in the morning at half past seven, every Sunday. And they stand here and they do what we call a dry run. Dry run is when 
they are going to, they are supposed to do what they are going to do during the service so that they know if everything is going well. They know if they remember the songs that they have practiced Sunday morning. That's work. That's work. So now they are volunteering in the house of the Lord. They are co-laboring with God. But it does not mean that because they are volunteering, they are then supposed to hold back. They give it their all because they are being generous with their talent. They are being generous with their talent. They are being generous with their gifts. I'm being generous with my gift. I'm a preacher. When I come and I preach, I preach to you, I preach up a storm. And you go back to work. You are not the same. And they wonder, what has happened to you? It's because I preached. Yes. Aye, somebody say amen. amen. I preach. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm being generous with the gift, co-laboring with God. I'm being paid at Builders Church, not for preaching. I volunteer to preach. Yes. It's my gift. It's my calling. I volunteer. Just like they are singing. I'm not paid to preach. I'm paid for the work that I do during the week. If you are sick and I come and visit you, yeah, then they pay me for that. <laughs> if you need counseling, you are, not the, you are not the one paying me. But they pay me at Builders Church. That's my job during the week. But when I come and I preach here, I stand here and I lose my voice. I am being generous with my gift. Somebody say it's a revelation. <laughs> Psalm chapter number 110, verse number 3. The Bible says, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. He sits on the throne. It is still the day of his power. And his people are supposed to volunteer. Volunteer for what? Volunteer to co-labor with him. Volunteer to work and make his church a great success. Somebody say, amen. Number three. Number three. Need to have the hearts that are free to give and to serve. Because no one can build a healthy relationship of any sort, of any kind, if they are not givers. Relationships that are general as friends, relationships in marriage, any kind, relationships in, build, in, in, in business can never build any healthy relationship if you are not a giver. Building requires freedom in everything that we do. We must not be obligated to do things, but we must be free to do things. So when we give and when we volunteer and when we work and when we serve, we need to be those who are doing it from the liberty of our hearts. 
It must not be a strife to do what we are volunteering to do. And sometimes you see people, they are volunteering, they are doing something, but then the honor is not there. Because as much as they are working, as much as they are volunteering, but they are not doing it from a place of freedom, but they are doing it because it's an obligation. So when you are building any kind of a relationship, be it a relationship with God, a relationship with your friends, a relationship with his church, a relationship with your spouse, it must flow from a place of freedom in your heart. You must be free to give and be free to serve. I'm sure those who are married in this church will attest to the fact that when your wife or your husband now in our days, somebody say amen, is bringing you tea. Because like our mothers, it was their duty in the kitchen. But now it's beautiful, right? It's very nice. I don't, somebody is saying, ay, ay, ay. So when someone, when someone is serving you, like your spouse is serving you, and they are grumpy, serving you tea, and maybe, maybe food. Let me take it to another level, because maybe tea is, is, is you know, is a, is a small thing. But food, they are serving you food, but they are grumpy. And they, are just, they just, uh, 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 just come up to you and just throw it on the table like that. Will you be okay to eat that food? Will you be free to eat that food? Will you enjoy that food? You will not because of the attitude. Did they serve? Yes, they served. But was the heart in the correct place when they were serving you? No, the heart was not in the correct place. So when you are serving, it must be accompanied with a heart that is in the right place, that is free. That is free. That is free. That is why... I, I, I told you earlier on the analogy of myself that I'm not paid to preach every Sunday. But I do it with all of my heart. With all of my heart. Okay, maybe if I don't, they will fire me. Infinity will fire me. But, <laughs> but I do it with all of my heart. Hallelujah. So it must flow from a place of freedom in your heart. Be free. That they look blood when you are serving. So that even the people that you are serving can receive nicely from you. Amen. Don't be the kind of a person who serves with a grumpy face. No, be happy. Be free. Correct whatever is going on in your heart and say it's time for me to serve. And when I serve, I serve from a place of freedom. Not obligation. That is why a tip for those who are married when you are cooking. Just sing, especially if you have like an open plan. or If not, it's fine. Just um, make sure that the volume is up. Volume is higher. But if you have an open plan and your husband is sitting there watching television, television, or whatever it is, watching soccer, or whatever it is that is going on, but uh, he's sitting there, you are busy singing. You are busy singing. Why? You are staring up your heart to be, to serve from a place of joy, from a place of freedom. If you can't sing, it's okay, you are in your house. It's okay. It's not a problem, but it must, you must practice that you must practice that it must flow from a place of freedom. You must practice that it must flow from a place of love. 
so that when you come and collaborate with God, yeah, you greet his people properly like the host there. And you greet with a smile because you have practiced even at home that when you serve your children, you serve your husband, you serve from a place of freedom and from a place of love, from a place of peace. Somebody say amen. amen. Tell yourself that I am a person who serves from a place of peace and of freedom. Somebody say amen. amen. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Exodus uh, chapter number 36, verse number 3. It says, and they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him freely. They brought to him freely. It was a free will offering. Every morning they brought it. Every morning they brought it. Just like you, every Sunday you are serving. But it must be from a place of freedom, not an obligation. Place of freedom. Not an obligation, a place of love. Somebody say amen. amen. So the, and we need to know that Christ has set us free. So we need to be free indeed. Also in giving and in serving. We all are familiar with that scripture. That Christ has set us free and we are free indeed. So you must be free indeed. Even when it comes to offering and when it comes to serving in the house of the Lord. In Galatians chapter number 5 verse number 1, the Bible says, Stand fast, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Don't go back and take what Christ has set you free from and put it upon your shoulders. And when you come to serve, you come to serve from a place of bondage. You have been set free and you must be free indeed. And you must hold fast to the liberty that Christ has given you. A person who is at liberty, you see even with their countenance. Because when they serve you, they serve you with a great countenance. Hallelujah. Four. <laughs> we must have wise hearts. Building requires a culture of acquiring and applying wisdom. Wisdom is key. We must never, we must have an, a never-ending quest for wisdom. Never tell yourself, I'm wise enough, I don't need any wisdom anymore. Wisdom is key. The Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. It says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Because wisdom is key. And that is in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 4, verse number 7. So in other words, in each and everything that you do, you must make sure that you get wisdom. And everything that you can get, you can reject. So there are people who can reject wisdom. But there are people who will always have the quest of getting wisdom. Somebody say amen. amen. And this morning, I want each and every one of us to be that kind of people who are always on a quest of acquiring wisdom. 
Acquire wisdom in your field of practice. Acquire wisdom. Whether you are in business, you are in your career, acquire wisdom that is relevant for what you are doing. Acquire wisdom for life in general. There are people about life. People who are book clever. But when it comes to life, they are, oh, they fail dismally. Zero when it comes to life. And how many know that no matter how educated you can be, if you don't have wisdom for life, you will amount to nothing. You need wisdom for life. Must always be on a quest to acquire wisdom. I love it in this church because each and every time we come, we come and we learn something new. It is because we are acquiring wisdom. That is why we inconvenience ourselves. We come to church every Sunday. When others are doing whatever they feel like doing, we come to church because we are on a quest to acquire wisdom. Somebody say amen. Amen. The Bible also says, is there anyone who lacks wisdom? Let him ask. It's very easy to acquire wisdom from the Lord. The Bible says we must ask God because he is the all-wise God. He is the one who possesses all the wisdom there is. So if we lack wisdom, so then this says to me, you need to be true to yourself to say, I may be wise in this area of my life, but I feel like I lack wisdom when it comes to this area of my life. You go to God and you ask him, Lord, give me wisdom for my marriage. Lord, give me wisdom for what you have called me to do. Give me wisdom for my children, to raise my children well. Give me wisdom. Wisdom is acquired from God. It is God who gives wisdom because he is the all-wise God. He is the one who gives wisdom. So it says, is there anyone who lacks wisdom? Let him ask. I also always say, when I preach about wisdom, that wisdom is a question away. So when God says, ask him because he's able to give you wisdom. Also, is there anyone who lacks wisdom in your line of work? Ask someone who does what you do better. Ask. Wisdom is a question away. Ask. There are people who don't want to be seen as though they do not know. Newsflash, you won't know everything. It's impossible. So embrace the fact that there is something that you won't know. And when you are supposed to work on something that you don't know, be humble enough to ask. Be humble enough to ask. Pray and ask God to give you wisdom and then ask questions. Anyone void of wisdom can never build any great church, can never build any great family, can never build any great business, can never build any great thing in life if they are void of wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. Exodus chapter number 35, verse number 10, the Bible says, And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord had commanded. Verse number 25 says, And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their heads. With their hands, I'm sorry, oh, spin with your head. Spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. 
So these women worked with their hands, but they did not just work with their hands randomly. They worked with a wise heart. So everything that you are going to bring before the Lord, you must work it with a wise heart. So building in general requires wisdom. Therefore, we need to be wise. If you are to build anything, you need to acquire wisdom. Proverbs chapter number 24, verse number 3. The Bible says, through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. So you can never, if you are someone who wants to build something significant, you can never run away from acquiring uh, wisdom. Otherwise, you will never build anything great. You must always seek for wisdom. Always ask for, for wisdom. Because it is through wisdom a house is built. It is through wisdom a church is built. It is through wisdom a marriage is built. It is through wisdom a family is built. You, that is why it is wisdom that causes you to keep quiet when you, have, you do have something to say and it's valid. Yeah, in your marriage. Especially as women. You do have something to say. And it's valid and you have a point. However, wisdom at that particular moment dictates that you keep quiet. It's wisdom. But when you don't have wisdom, when you lack wisdom, you will run your mouth anyhow and kill your marriage. Because you could have made your point in a better way another time. But wisdom dictates, for now, it's better for you to keep quiet. And then you will tackle this matter at another point. It's wisdom. 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 So there's nothing great you will, that you will ever build if you lack wisdom. A house is built through wisdom. A home is built through wisdom. A church is built through wisdom. A business is built through wisdom. Relationships are built through wisdom. There are beautiful people that you wish they could just be okay together because they are so beautiful. But lack of wisdom causes them to can't stand one another. And they end up going their separate ways. Why? Because they lack wisdom. It's not that they are not meant for each other. It's not that they, they cannot make this thing work. They are very good people. But they lack wisdom. And they can't build a home. They can't build a marriage. They can't build a family. Can't build a church. Because we can come here. Everyone is now saved. And I'm evangelizing everyone and telling them the way they're sinners. Lack of wisdom. And every day you come, you know you are told you are a sinner. Maybe I should try it. <laughs> every day you come. You, you, you are told you how much of a sinner you are. One day you will realize, what, but I thought I, I, my sins were forgiven. So, okay. Yeah, no. It's, and then, because I lack wisdom. We lack wisdom in teaching you the principles of life. Sin will, 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 uh, will run away from you when you know who you are. So let me just teach you who you are in Christ instead of telling you how much of a sinner you are. 
Somebody say amen. amen. Uh, I'm watching my time. We are on number? We're going to five. Yes, I was just checking if you are listening. <laughs> Building requires a culture of being spiritually sensitive. When you are building anything, especially collaborating with God to build his house, as we are doing here at Builders Church, you need to have a culture of being spiritual. Don't be in the flesh. It is people who are in the flesh. Recently I saw a video of people who were fighting for the pulpit at church. Did someone see that? Hectic stuff. Fighting. On Sunday, in front of the saints. Flesh. We are not spiritual. We don't know who we are in Christ. We don't know the hierarchy. We don't honor the systems of God. We don't honor the systems of God. We are not spiritual. Because if you are not spiritual, there is, if you are carnal, there is no way. That is why uh, people who are carnal, um, in most cases, they see wrong things. They, they don't see good things. If you're a carnal person, you can walk into this beautiful auditorium. Beautiful people like you guys here. Everything is going well, but you can just come out with one wrong thing. Why did she wear so many chains? Why is she wearing high heels today? And forget about the powerful word I taught. And you go back to work. Before that were packed in this message. That were packed in this teaching. But you go back to work because you came, you were carnal, and the only thing you saw are things that are in the flesh. Yes. In the flesh. People who are in the flesh come to church for a social gathering. People who are in the flesh are people who don't come so that they can be spiritually fed and be able to do well in life. And do greater things for the Lord. In the flesh. But if you are to build and collaborate with God and have everything that is significant in your life take shape, you will have to be spiritual. Amen. You will have to be spiritual. Someone might ask, it's a, it's a teaching for another day, but I will just give you a few pointers. For you to remain spiritual, you must remain connected to the house of God. For you to remain spiritual, you must remain connected to God. You must pray, not only when you are at church, even when you are at home. Pray. What is prayer? Is prayer like how you pray? Mamfundisi, I see you every time. Your volume is up. You are praying. No, that's not how pray, what prayer is. It's just that my volume is high. If your volume is not high, it's okay. But prayer is talking to God. Simple. That's prayer. Talk to God every day. In your corner, in your home, your car to work. Take that time and turn it into an altar. Turn it into a time of prayer. When you go to work, pray so that you can be spiritual. So that you can be spiritual. 
it is spiritual people who understand what is God doing and when is he doing that. Somebody say amen. amen. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that even our wisdom may be from above. The Bible talks of a wisdom that is from above. It says it is first pure. It says it is peaceable in the book of James chapter number 3, verse number 17. So when you are not spiritually sensitive, you will not attract the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that is superior so that even your peers can envy you and wonder how are you getting it right. It's the wisdom from above. But you must be spiritual for you to be able to do that. Exodus chapter number 35, verse number 30. The Bible says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of who? Of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding, in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship being spiritual being spiritual will help you we are on number six. Oh, my time I'm going to be quick verse number six I not verse see <laughs> uh, we are on number six orderly hearts everything must be built according to the blueprint Therefore, we must develop hearts that love order. Because the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. What is the vision? They stumble all over themselves, another version says, where there is no vision. So the vision is the blueprint. That is why in your career, when they give you a position, don't just be happy that you are promoted. Have a vision for what you are doing so that you won't stumble all over yourself. In this church, there's a blueprint. There's a vision. And there's a way of doing things. Why? So that we don't stumble all over ourselves. Because if we allow anyone to do as they please, we are going to have a problem. We all have different preferences. We all have different personalities. I might not like what is being done. Pastor Goodwill might like it. The next person might not like it. And then we... We will not be able to achieve anything because there's no blueprint. So don't run away from being told what to do. Being told what to do is good for you. Because it means there is a blueprint so that I don't stumble all over myself. That's why there's a blueprint. That's why there is a vision. The Bible says in the book of Exodus 25, verse number 40, it says, and see to it that you make them according to the pattern. Somebody say the pattern. According to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. So as you build this house, as you build this marriage, as you build this family, as you build this business, as we build this church, 
Let us do it according to the path, to the pattern, which is the blueprint of the vision that was given to our lead pastor. Somebody say amen. So you also need to have a blueprint for whatever it is that you want to build so that it will cause you to stay on course and be focused so that you can achieve great things. No one who is all over the place ever builds anything significant. Who is here today and not here tomorrow. Who is committed today and not committed tomorrow. Who wants to do it today and does not want to do it tomorrow. Never build anything significant. If you don't have a blueprint to say, this is how I am going to do this and I'm going to stick by it. So our God is a God of order. It's not only about building, but it's about how we build. 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 40, the Bible says, let all things be done decently and in order. So order is biblical. Even in your room, I somebody say amen. amen. Even in your room. Yeah. The, 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 some structure. Just a bit of order. Even in your family. Your children at least must know. Supposed to go to school at such and such a time. Order. It helps you build great things. That is why even in this church there is order. Someone volunteering might wonder. Why must we come at half past seven? It is because if we say just come, we will not do anything. Order. That is why there is someone who brings the pulpit when I ascend the stage. Order. Because the next thing I'll take it myself and I don't go to the gym I'm supposed to. But I, 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 I don't for now. <laughs> then the next thing I break my arm. And everyone now wants to stand up and take care of me. Yeah. What about the service? Yeah. Order. So in case you are wondering why things are done the way they are done, it's because the Bible says so. Yeah. Everything must be done in decency and in order. So be decent. Even when you are volunteering, be decent. Yeah. Don't say I'm not being paid. God pays those who serve him. And he pays very well. Yeah. Do it decently and in order. Amen. Number seven. Must have a heart to teach others. Have the heart to teach others. There are people who have such low self-esteem at work. In such a way that when you ask them questions. So that you can, be, you can do better in what you are doing. They don't want to tell you because they want to shine alone. Come on. It does not take anything away from you. In fact, it's going to make you proud that you have made someone. Yes, if it makes you feel good, say you've made me. It's okay. Make me again. No problem. But I want to do this better than I am doing it now. And I can see that you can help me. Have a heart to teach others. Even here as we co-labor with God. Have the heart to teach others. Some of us are volunteering here and are doing things that we went to school for. But we can be able to impart that knowledge on someone else here at church. And they can then be able to do and they have acquired a skill from serving in the house of the Lord. From volunteering in the house of the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. So have a heart 
to teach others. Build other people up. Take pride in helping others do better. Exodus 35, 34 says, and he has put in his heart the ability to teach. In him and Eholiab, the son of Ahizamek, of the tribe of Dan. He has put in his heart the ability to teach. So God can put it in your heart. If you feel like you can't, you don't know how to teach others, ask God to put it in your heart to be able to teach others. Impart that knowledge. Number eight, as I close. Hearts with a good work ethic. Hey, this one. Hey, this one for us. It's a problem. Even when God has given us great things to work on. The work ethic. Develop a good work ethic. Have a heart with a good work ethic. Builders are workers. And without a good work ethic, can never build anything significant. Building is impossible without a good work ethic. Have you ever asked people to build you a house, but they don't have a good work ethic? Something that was supposed to take them six months can take them three years because of a work ethic. Can they build? Yes. Are they good at what they do? Yes. So being good at what you do does not negate the fact that you need to develop a good work ethic. In fact, when you see that something that you are doing, or you are able to do it and it yields results, that's what you need to, to concentrate on. Concentrate on it and develop a good work ethic. Not this thing of doing it when you feel like it. I've taught us in this house that feelings are going to deceive you. Make up your mind. Tell yourself, I'm doing this. I'm a builder and I'm going to build this. Let nothing fail in your hands. Have a good work ethic. Let nothing fail in your hands. When they give you a department at church or they give you a department at work, never let it fail. It was standing until you got to that position. Come on. You're a builder. Make it work. Make it work. Don't let it fail in your hands. Why is it standing? Because someone was working it. It's standing because someone was building it. Don't let it fail in your hands. Tell yourself, I'm going to do this. Come at me. Have a good work ethic. A work ethic that says, if I don't hold my corner, who's holding my corner? If I don't become a pillar, that stands and everyone knows that as long as Mazote is there, everything is going to be okay. You can be that kind of a person as a builder. Listen to my choice of words. Develop. So you develop a good work ethic by making sure good, nothing stops you. When this road is closed, you look for another way to get to where you are supposed to get to. Now that's a builder. That's a builder. Good work ethic. Nothing failing in your hands. 
No department, none whatsoever. In fact, fail forward, as I said earlier on. Fail forward and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going, I'm going to do it with all of my might. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 6, the Bible says, So we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its, its height. For the people had the mind to work. How did we build? And how did it stand? It is because the people had the mind to work. So whatever it is that you are going to build and you will have it stand the test of time, it must be because you have the mind to work. Don't wait until the end to see it uh, crumble down. That then you say, if only I had the mind to work. But have the mind to work now. So that at the end of it all, when you look back at what you have built, you can say, here is what I have built because I had the mind to work. Amen. Let us stand. We are praying. Yes. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to put your hand on the plow. Don't be scared to put your hand on the plow. Don't run away from work. Work is required to build anything significant. Even your marriage requires you to work. Nothing happens if you are just folding your arms. Develop a good work ethic. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We give you praise this morning. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.